Amen. Thank you for singing that hymn. That's my favorite hymn. And just a beautiful articulation of the gospel put to words and, and lyrics that from start to finish were saved by God's grace alone. We're saved by God's grace, we're sustained by God's grace, and our salvation is secured by God's grace alone. Amen. Amen. Grab a Bible and turn to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 9. We'll read six verses. Luke chapter 9, we're going to be in reading verse 57. I'm so glad the choir sang that beautiful hymn this morning because today's passage is going to beat us all up. Um, it's enough to beat the brakes right off of you, and I'm going to try not to browbeat us this morning with this passage. Uh, so... My prayer today is the same prayer I pray every single morning when I come to the sanctuary on Sunday mornings is, Lord, help me to be faithful to your word, exalt Christ, and apply it appropriately to our lives. With that being said, it's just a tough passage. Uh, so I'm just going to be honest with you about that as we, as we go before the Lord. So Luke chapter 9, verse 57, read verses 57 through 62. We're still in our sermon series called A Kingdom Mindset, and you'll see uh, how Jesus... Uh, doesn't beat around the bush with these, these gentlemen and these folks in this passage. Hear God's word. It says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you're holy, you're gracious, yet you're just. And so Lord, what I pray is that your spirit would come and do its work in me today. As a minister of your gospel, help me to handle your word faithfully and accurately this morning. Help me to exalt Christ with the exposition of this text. Help me to apply it to the necessities and capacities of the hearers among us this morning. Lord, I also pray for us that you would give us hearts and minds and spiritual eyes that are open and receptive, not resistant to your word this morning. That's our job this morning. I pray that your spirit would do his work and his job this morning. 
that you would convince us of those truths that we need to be convinced of today, convict us of any sin among us. And I pray, Lord, that those of us that don't know you might be converted this day in this hour of worship. And I pray that all of us would leave here conformed more into the image and likeness of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once upon a time, the Smith family decided they were going to have a dinner. And so they called up some friends, they called up some relatives, and they asked them if they were interested in coming to this dinner. Some folks asked, well, what will we be having to eat? And they said, well, we're going to bake a turkey. And they, some of the people volunteered to make some side dishes, bring a dessert or two. Others said, well, we'll come. Uh, what, what day is it? Are you going to have the meal? Well, it's going to be this evening. What time? The Smith family had told them what time the meal would be at their house. Some people came, some people didn't. But as everyone gathered, there began to be a little bit of a jawing of a competition about who had made the largest sacrifice to come to that meal. Some talked about the amount of money they had spent on the dessert. Some others talked about the amount of time they had spent preparing the side dish or dessert. And as they gathered together to to say the prayer, uh, Mr. Smith said, a lot of you, all of you took time out of your busy schedules to be here today. And and we know you're here because you're interested to be here. And we're thankful. So many of you sacrificed time and money to, to be here today and bring the side dishes that you brought. He said, but I want everyone's eyes to look at that turkey here on the table. He was the one that made the greatest sacrifice to be here today. When it came to preparing this meal, he was totally committed. There is a difference between being interested in something and being committed to something. Isn't there? Ken Blanchard says this, when you're interested in something... You'll only do it when it's convenient for you. When you're interested in something, you'll only do it when it's convenient to you. However, when you're committed to something, then you'll do it no matter what. There won't be excuses. Why? Because you're committed. This week, someone told me about... a. a, a resident of Bartow that back in the 70s was training to be in the Summer Olympics as an Olympic swimmer. And I was told about this, this young lady that she went to the Civic Center and swam every single day and every single morning. In fact, during that year, there was actually snow in Bartow. And this individual informed me that you would have found this young lady in the swimming pool, in the freezing cold, in Bartow, swimming laps. Why? Because she wasn't just interested in becoming an Olympic swimmer. She was committed. How do we know that? Because she went even when it was not convenient for her. Many of you are committed to your jobs. You get up and you go to your job when you don't feel like it. You go to your job even when someone may yell at you. Many of you are committed about your children being involved in sports and their hobbies and their extracurricular activities. And how do I know that? 
because you get up early on Saturday morning, you, you, you spend money, you spend time, you invest time taking them to those sporting events, taking them to those hobbies. All of us have a hobby that interests us, but we're not just interested in it. We're committed to it because we spend money and we spend time to make it happen. This passage is about commitment. How committed are you to Jesus Christ? This passage unfolds in six verses with three conversations. These three conversations revolve around these individuals and their commitment to Jesus. For OCD among us, it plays out well and outlines well that each conversation takes about two verses to unpack. And as we explore these three conversations with Jesus this morning, what we're going to find is that these three conversations reveal three characteristics of a totally committed disciple of Jesus Christ. And the first characteristic we find in a totally committed disciple of Jesus Christ is this, that a committed disciple will suffer for Jesus. A committed disciple will suffer for Jesus. Look at verses 57 through 58. It says that they were going along the road. Someone said to him, someone just volunteers to Jesus. We don't know who these three individuals are. and We don't know their names, but their conversations are very significant to us because they, they peel back the layers of our own heart this morning. So someone says to Jesus with a, a very in, good intention, Lord Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Wow, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? Lord Jesus, I will go with you wherever you go. Wherever you're willing to take me, I will go. But you're left wondering if he had counted the cost before he said that statement. Because look at what happens in verse 58. Jesus responds to him and says, Jesus says to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the airs have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And the contrast here is between the haves and the have-nots. What do we learn about the foxes? They have holes. What do we learn about the birds? They have nests. But what do we learn about the Son of Man? He has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, as R. Kent Hughes says, Jesus is telling this man, a committed disciple will suffer for me because following me is no walk in the park. How committed are you to Jesus? Are you as committed to serving Jesus as Jesus was committed to saving you? See, in verse 51 was the turning point of, of Luke's gospel. It says, when the days drew near for him to go, to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. What was going to happen to our Lord Jesus Christ in Jerusalem? He was going to be crucified on a cross as a substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. Why does Jesus deserve your total commitment? Because he was totally committed to saving you. And his commitment to saving you required that he would suffer 
for you in your place. How committed are you to Jesus? You can feel the spring in the air, can't you? I can tell because at already by 5.30 in the morning when I take my dog for a walk, I'm already sweating. So you know spring's in the air. And around this time of year, we begin getting notifications and, and mailings in the mail about wedding ceremonies that are going to take place. Some of them we will attend. Maybe some I'll even officiate. And at every wedding ceremony, there are the exchange of the vows. Do you remember the vows that we exchange with our spouses? We'll take one another for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. And many times I wonder if we have any clue the type of commitment we're making to one another in those vows. Do you know why? Because we're, we're making a commitment that we're willing to stick with one another, even if it means self-sacrifice, suffering, and self-denial. There's a couple at Jennifer's home church by the name of Robert and Georgia Blevins. When I served there as, as an associate and, and youth director, Robert and Georgia have been married for about 45 years, about 43 to 45 years of marriage. I remember them talking about the fact that they were preparing for their 50th wedding anniversary. And every Sunday evening, Robert and Georgia would come to the Sunday evening worship service. They couldn't make it to the Sunday morning service. And Georgia would help Robert get out of the car, and she would wheel his wheelchair over to him because Robert was paralyzed from the waist down. What I learned about Robert and Georgia Blevins was this, that only a few days after Robert and Georgia were married, 40-some years ago, Robert was crippled and paralyzed from the weight waist down in a mining accident. And for 40 some years, while Robert suffered, Georgia served him. How committed was she to their marriage? Totally. How dependent was Robert on Georgia? Totally. Why should we be totally committed to Jesus this morning? Because we're totally dependent on him for our salvation. From start to finish. I will be saved, sustained, and secured only because he will hold me fast. If your Christianity has not brought you any discomfort, then something is wrong. Because a totally committed follower of Jesus Christ will suffer. You'll suffer because some will mock you. You'll suffer because some will abandon you. 
you will suffer because the Holy Spirit will sanctify the sin out of your life. So how committed are you to Jesus today? Are you totally committed? You should be because he was totally committed to saving you. The second characteristic of a totally committed disciple is found in verses 59 and 60. See, totally committed disciples prioritize everything around Jesus. Now look, notice what happens in verse 59 and 60. This conversation Jesus initiates. It says, to another, verse 59, to another he said, follow me. But he replies, he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now what happens here in this passage is something that we might miss as we just brush over it. There's a battle of of imperatives in this passage. There's a battle of commands. There's a battle of demands. There's a tug of war that's occurring between Jesus and this man whom he's commanding to follow him. The commands go like this. Jesus commands him in verse 59, follow me. And he responds back to Jesus with a command. It's not a request. It's a command. Lord, let me go first and bury my father. It's not a request of, oh, Lord, yes, I'd be gracious to be more than glad to serve you. But it's, okay, I'll follow you, Jesus, but let me go first and bury my father. And on the surface, for me, it seems like a very reasonable request, and we'll explore that a little bit more this morning. But I want you to notice that there's a tug of war happening about priorities in Jesus' life, in Jesus' kingdom, and this man's life, and his submission to Jesus as king. And so there are two other imperatives that happen in verse 60. And Jesus said to him, it's an imperative, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Leave the dead to bury the dead is a command from Jesus. It is a command from Jesus for him to go now and proclaim the kingdom of God. What's happening here? There's a battle about priorities. And what Jesus is telling this man is this. If you're going to be totally committed to me, you've got to prioritize your entire life. Around me. Now here's where I say that this kind of browbeats us and beats the brakes off of us today. Because I, I'm, I'm on the side with the guy in this passage. <laughs> in fact, Jewish tradition is on the side of this gentleman's request. Because Jewish tradition says that it was an obligation to bury a relative. In fact, according to Jewish tradition, it was an obligation that took precedence over religious duties and was considered an act of love. So on the surface, you think Jesus would give this man permission to go bury his father because of the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. But commentators are divided about whether or not this man's dad had just died whether or not he was aging, either way, it's difficult, right, to swallow. Because Jesus says to him, essentially, if he's dead, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. Or if he's aging, don't worry about him aging. There's something far more important that's pressing on us. And it's that you need to preach the gospel and proclaim the gospel. That the kingdom of God is at hand. That's tough. 
That's tough to swallow. Because Jesus is asking us this morning, how committed are we to him? Are we as committed to serving him as he was committed to saving us? Because our Lord Jesus said that he had not come to do his own will, but the will of the one who had sent him. And what did the will of God the Father involve? Not only suffering, but sacrifice. I appreciate the, uh, the birthday gifts that I received uh, this past week. I'm very grateful and, and keep them coming. Um, <laughs> no, in all honesty, I mean, thank you. I mean, it's shown a lot of love to me and support to me this week, and I'm grateful for that. I really appreciate it. It's been, it's been fun to come to the office and go to the hospital and visit someone, come back. There's a gift on my desk, and so uh, thank you. Uh, many of you have written very complimentary words about me and our time trying to serve you here and, and serve Jesus, but, but I want you to know that there's no comparison between my walk with Christ and Jennifer's walk with Christ because she's light years ahead of me. Uh, one of the churches that we served, that we went for the interview process, it was the one in Covington, Georgia. And to be frank with you, the first visit just didn't go very well. And so they, they, they begged us to kind of come back and, 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 and visit a second time. And Jennifer was so conflicted about it. She said, will you go? Well, we're gonna, I'm going to pray about it, and then you tell me whether or not the Lord's calling you there. But this is no lie. So the second time I went there to visit them, I actually accepted the call when Jennifer wasn't with me. Uh, and so I remember I was driving through Atlanta on my way back to West Virginia, and Jennifer called me, and she said, well, are we moving or not? And I said, yes, we're moving. And she said, well, I guess I better start packing. And the reason I share that with you is that I, when I look at my wife, I see someone who's totally committed to Jesus. Because her priority that day was just about whether or not the Lord was calling us to move. And the same was true of her when the Lord called us here. When I... Since the Lord's call here, I, I learned several things about the traditions of the church, and I tried to learn as much as I could before I moved. And one of the traditions that I, I learned that was very precious to this church, and is still my favorite service, is the Christmas Eve service. But at that point in our marriage, for the past 23 years, Jennifer's family had always celebrated Christmas on Christmas Eve. And I wasn't going to turn down the call of God here if my mother-in-law resisted, but I did, I was at least smart enough to know that a happy wife is a happy life, and a happy mother-in-law can make for a less, more, less miserable life for a son-in-law. And I remember calling my mother-in-law Susan and letting her know that we sense the Lord's call here, and she says, well, why are you, that's great, I'll be praying for you, is there anything else you want to talk to me about? And I told her, I said, they have a Christmas Eve service every year. And she knew what I was getting at. I said, so we've enjoyed the last 23 years celebrating Christmas Eve with you, Susan. I said, but if the Lord calls me to serve there in the next 23 years, she said, then the next 23 years you won't be in West Virginia for Christmas Eve. I said, no, ma'am. And she said to me, Tanner, go where the Lord calls you. 
and we will adjust our Christmas traditions. What does that reveal about my mother-in-law's priority? That she's totally committed to Jesus. I knew that because she's been playing the piano and the organ in her home church since she was 12 or 13 years old. I know that because she married a man who was a missionary's kid who grew up in Sudan with his parents serving with Sudan Interior Mission, the Dinka tribe. But they're totally committed to Jesus. Why? Because I've seen in my in-laws, I've seen in my wife, folks that are totally committed to Jesus because they prioritize everything in their life around Jesus. That's what Jesus is getting at in verses 59 and 60. Jesus is saying we are to honor our father and our mother. We're to love our parents. We're not to neglect them. But if we have to choose between our family relationships and our family traditions and the proclamation of the gospel, the kingdom of God shall take priority. It should take priority. It must take priority in our lives. So my question to you this morning is how committed are you to Jesus? Are you as committed to serving Jesus as Jesus was committed to saving you? Then look, examine your priorities. I say this in love. The reality is for a number of people that have professed faith in Christ, presented their children for covenantal baptism, and have their names on the membership role of this church. If you take a look at their schedules, if you take a look at their bank accounts, On paper, they've said, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King. But the sad reality is, Jesus appears to be their least favorite hobby. Life is short. Hell is real, and only Jesus saves. So the only thing that you can ever take with you or your children and your grandchildren can ever take with you as they leave this world is a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Time spent with Jesus, time spent in this sanctuary is not a waste of your time. It's an eternal investment. Whose return is out of this world. Wink, wink. Totally committed disciple of Jesus Christ will suffer for Jesus. They will prioritize all of their lives around Jesus. And then lastly, the last characteristic we find about a total committed disciple is they're focused on Jesus. In verse 61, we see a similar conversation, similar to what happened in verse 57 and 58. It says, yet another said in verse 61, I will follow you, Lord. He, once again, he initiates the conversation with Jesus. 
But then he, he, he gives a demand and a command to Jesus just like the individual did in verse 60 and, and 59. But in 61 it says, Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. This seems like a reasonable request again. In fact, we have examples in the Old Testament of where this precisely happened. In the, in the book of 1 Kings, in chapter 19, we have the prophet Elijah calling the prophet Elisha to service in God's kingdom. And in that, in that passage in 1 Kings 19, it says that Elisha is, is plowing with the oxen. And as Elijah comes to Elisha, he calls Elisha to the service of God. And Elisha, request of Elijah, may I go back and say farewell to my mom and dad. And in 1 Kings 19, Elijah says, of course. Because you know what? It seems like a reasonable request. But here Jesus says no. Why? He picks up on the plowing imagery in verse 62. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What's the point Jesus is making? A totally committed disciple of Jesus is totally focused on Jesus. Just as when you're teaching your kids how to back out of a vehicle, I mean back out of a parking space, you tell them not to look for it. Although now we've got cameras, so maybe that's changed. Okay, But it used to be, it was like, okay, son, my dad would tell me, son, don't look forward when you're trying to back out. You need to look out the, the back of the car. But now we have cameras, and maybe that's changed. But the point is... When you're driving forward, you want to spend all of your time staring in the rearview mirror. Why? Because you could hit a vehicle in front of you. You could hit a pedestrian. You could plow into something in front of you. You could miss the turn of a curve. The same is true exactly what Jesus is saying here. To the plow in one direction while looking in the opposite direction will never do. And no doubt this is reminiscent of Lot's wife who was told not to look back at Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? So, because she would be judged and turned to salt. And what did she do? She looked back anyway. What's the point Jesus is making here? Totally committed disciples of Jesus focus purely and solely on Jesus. And that's hard. This week I sold the Honda Civic. 2004, 247,000 miles. The fastest hunk of junk in Polk County. I was distracted this week by trying to sell that. Over 1,200 clicks on Facebook Marketplace, 53 private messages, 12 that haggled me on a different price, 11 of whom never showed up. But the one person with cash was now the proud owner of the fastest hunk of junk in Polk County. What's the point? We can get distracted by a lot of things. And Jesus says in this passage, don't be the one who's constantly looking back to what life would have been and could have been had you never decided to follow Jesus. Church, where's your focus this morning? Are you focused on Jesus? Jesus deserves our focus. Because our Lord Jesus was totally focused on the task at hand. 
And that's why from the cross he was able to pray, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Why? Because he was focused on saving you. That's why our Lord Jesus could pray, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit as he dangled on the cross for you. Why? Because he was totally committed to saving you. Friends, Jesus deserves your total commitment. He demands your total commitment. Why? Because he was totally committed to saving you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I confess to you my tendency to be fickle. I confess to you, Father, my tendency to not be totally committed. Help us to leave here today not only knowing what you demand of us, but why we should want to do it. Help us to leave here today motivated by your grace. Father, for those of us that know you and love you and say we want to serve you, may your spirit sanctify our hearts today. And Lord, I pray for those that walked in this sanctuary this morning not committed to you. May your spirit save them and change them, we pray. In Jesus' name.